Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you don't have a crystal clear understanding of what makes your brand unique, of what separates you from everybody else based on your specific skills, passions, and experiences. If you don't understand what your North Star is, then none of the strategies and tactics and social media algorithms and best practices and none of that matters because it's like suiting up and Packing your horse with all of these different things and tools you might need for your journey and not even having a map. You won't know where you're going. Fortunately for you, that's exactly what my guest today specializes in. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Storytelling Lab podcast. This is episode 143. My guest today is Devo Tyndall. Now, I had Devo on the show initially to talk about creative branding and photography, imagery, visual storytelling. That's his background. And from the jump, from the very first question I asked him, it went, it's not, it's not uh, fair to say off the rails because where it went was such an amazing direction and took us on its own journey, but it went somewhere else. And it's important that it went where it did because this is the conversation. These are the conversations that must be had before we can sit down and talk about strategy and certainly not tactics. You have to understand clearly who you are, who you serve. We talk about this all the time on the show, but nobody has talked about it the way Devo did. This guy is on another level and we hit it off very quickly. I'm happy to call him a friend now. He was inspiring. He was energetic. He didn't mince words. He called, you know, he called it like he he sees it. And he was straightforward. He doesn't care what anybody thinks about him or what path people think that he should be taking. He is carving his own lane. And it's so inspiring to watch. And after this conversation, I felt so energetic and so 
ready to go out there and do the work that I love. One little caveat before I take you into this is I was on the road. We talk about it in the show. And so I was at an Airbnb and I brought my microphone because I had a couple of shows to produce that week. And I'm listening back to the audio and I guess the setting wasn't right because in my ears, in my headphones, I heard myself on the mic, but it didn't capture it within the program. So I sound a little echoey. Devo sounds amazing. So good for him. I'm uplifting my guest and I'm taking the fall onto the sword for him. I don't know why it didn't happen. But that's why you're hearing it. It's a little echoey. Hopefully it doesn't bother you too much. I don't think it will because this is one of the most unique conversations I've ever had, even though the topic itself is not unique. But if you want to understand how to find your North Star as a brand, then this is the conversation with you. So here is my conversation with Devo Tendo, and I hope that you love it. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, award-winning filmmaker and writer, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Tuesday morning, I send out a quick storytelling tip to my newsletter subscribers. I show you techniques I've learned along my journey and used in my own stories, as well as those of my clients. But most importantly, I leave you with tangible takeaways that you can apply to your brand storytelling immediately. Oh, well, actually, more importantly than that, it's free. If this would help you, sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Devo, my man, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you because uh, I think that we align in multiple ways. But first of all, I'm, I'm interested, you know, we were talking before we started recording that, um, you know, we both live in North Carolina now, which we weren't aware. And yes, we will connect sometime in person very soon, I hope. Uh, but I am currently today in Oceanside, California, which is not far from your your stomping grounds where you grew up in San Diego. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Tell me about. So how old were you when you left this part of the country? Well, I'm not going to tell you my age because my Buddhist monk coach said never tell anyone your age. But I left there in 2006. 2006, when you were just two years old. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm curious. So that's a that's a big move. What was it that brought you to the East Coast? Uh, should I lay down on the sofa first? This is like a therapy <laughs> session. Isn't it? it will be. It will be. I was I was married at the time, and my yeah. no longer wife wanted. She hated California. She came out there after school and joined me and she just didn't she never embraced california mm-hmm. and all of her family was east coast people so i just yeah. did the i just did the loving husband thing that i thought i was supposed to do and i was like okay i guess you've been here for 10 years with me let's move to the east coast and that's how we migrated yeah. out well that's kind of i love it here now yeah, I love them both. I mean, that's the thing. I'm, I'm from the East Coast, but I look out today. I, I told you I'm looking at the Pacific Ocean. Anytime I'm out here, I feel that pull. Now, I don't think I'm going to uproot my family, but it's like I get I get California. I get it uh, every time I'm here. So 
what at that point, um, I'm curious to get to know you a little bit deeper in terms of like, and I think all those things we just talked about, like everything in our personal life uh, is related to and tied to what we do and how we show up in the world and the way we serve the people that we serve, even who we serve, you know, comes from, in my opinion, our experiences, our passions, our skills. So I'm always curious to talk to any creatives about where that thing started. So like, did you have that thing in you as a child? Like, I know photography is kind of your background. Were you doing that as a kid? Were you writing? Were you into plays? Or were you like, that wasn't even on your radar? Yeah, before I answer that, I am actually curious about your name, Rain. Can I get some inspiration yes. on that? First of all, because it's a really cool name. I really It's not a yeah. nickname. It's your actual real name. It's my actual real name and shout out to, to my mom always uh, yeah. for, for coming up with that. So, um, you know, people told her when I was born, oh, he's going to hate you for that. And I'm like, are you like, I absolutely love it. It's the best icebreaker, right? There's nobody that's been like, ah, it's a stupid name. It always creates <laughs> a question, right? Which creates a, a, a connection. So I, I appreciate that very much. I love it. Uh, but I always got to give props to her. Uh, for that name and listen while we're on the subject i'll bat that ball right back to you what about yours yeah they say that to your face and they turn around like fucking rain <laughs> no, <laughs> no i'm just joking i think it's a not. cool name i love it <laughs> <laughs> no that's cool uh, my real name is actually Devin. so uh, but ever since i've been a little kid i i've been i was called devo and i don't really know where it came from and what's really odd about it rain is that I've moved a lot and traveled a lot and been in a bunch of different places for different pockets of my life. Yeah. And wherever I went, that name just sort of picked up even like new places that people didn't know me. When I went to college, I played football and they the coach would only just call me by Tyndall, my last name. And, yeah. but players started calling me Devo on the field. And I was just like, everywhere I've gone, it's just sort of, even though they didn't know that it just picked up. So yeah. I don't really know the origin of it, but I just roll with it. And oh, yeah, it's, it's, pretty it's cool from story. my mom really as well, I guess. So. I really like how people picked it up. Um, it's like this thing, you know, we can get deep on this if we want to, because I'm really big on identity. And that's why I asked that question about like, well, where did this thing start emerging in you that drove you to branding and photography, visual storytelling, right? This, that's a thing within us. But I like the, the story of Devo because it's like, you didn't control that narrative. It emerged, you know, like mm -hmm. you couldn't control it. It became its own thing. So I think that's, that's pretty cool in my opinion. What's also really cool about it before we get to the real meat and, meat and potatoes is I had a human design reading done recently. Have you ever had anything to do with human design before? Uh, no, but I'm going to ask about this because I'm already intrigued. Oh, man, I got to connect you with my girl, Elijah. Um, she does these human design readings. And I have someone coming on my podcast in a couple of weeks to talk a little bit deeper on a different level of it. But she takes um, – so it's tied astrologically and geometrically and numerically based upon when you were born, where you were born, your name that you were given, mm -hmm. and then some other credentials around the time you were born, things of that nature. And she does this entire like psychosemantic breakdown on who you are and your life purpose and like the things that you love and the things that really motivate you and the things that are like your worst fears and failure points. And it's like, dude, it's totally pulling back the covers on shit that you don't ever think about. So I'm going to connect you with her. She's amazing. You, you'd love her on your show. Yeah. No, I mean, so, so much, uh, so much of this, <coughs> excuse me, so much of this thing in storytelling comes back to, you know, the story we tell ourselves. I mean, that's where it all starts. And which is why, like, unlike maybe some other podcasts, like, 
I'm not jumping into like, tell me the best way to represent, you know what I mean? Like it's all of this stuff behind the curtain is the stuff, right? It is the important stuff that leads to that. So yeah, I'm totally mm-hmm. into that. We do have guests uh, on all the time that kind of delve into that, to that realm a little bit. I literally just came from a meeting this morning with someone I met on LinkedIn and I make it my goal to have coffee with at least one person a week, virtual or physical or both. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this was my one token for the week. And we just had this conversation on the stories that we tell ourselves. This is two right now. Um, the stories that we tell ourselves and how they shape the narrative that we ultimately live our lives. And if we never take the time to stop and reflect on what does this story say right now about me? Like, what is it that I believe about myself? And take a hard look at that. And like, do I like what this looks like? Like, if I'm if I'm unhappy with my my output, how often do people really stop and reflect and say, okay, it actually might be me and the story I'm telling myself. And it's crazy because we don't, we don't, I don't know about you, but my parents never told me jack shit about this kind of stuff. It's just no. sort of like, do the thing, keep your tunnels on and go to college and get your degree and get a job. And I was like, yeah, dude, and no. now that I'm out here, yeah, now that I'm out here, I'm like, there is so, everything we've been told is a lie. It's crazy to me. And so now I was like unlearning everything we do. That's my, that's a plug for my podcast. Sorry. Oh. No, plug away, my friend. No, absolutely. So many of us don't like go through life without ever, even on micro things, on small things, without asking ourselves, like, why did why why did I choose to do that? Why do I feel that about this thing? Because often you'll challenge yourself, at at, you know, and oh, I've had little epiphanies where I'm like, that I don't even feel that way about this thing. That's somebody else's opinion that I'm like spewing out or regurgitating, or you confirm why you feel that way about it. And it makes you view it in a different perspective. But dude, so many of us get in that tunnel vision, as you alluded to, and don't even tap in and ask yourself, like, why did I make that choice? Why do I feel that way? And when you start to do that, the road, this sounds super cheesy, but I know you'll dig it. The road starts to reveal itself, right? Like, and the decisions start to make themselves in a way, right? Or at least you understand why you're moving in this way. You understand how to pivot. So, I mean, a thousand plus a thousand on that, a hundred percent. Yeah, man. It took me 35 years to understand that there was something different than the path I was on and just sort of like getting up. There's a, there's a commercial when I was growing up, uh, Dunkin' Donuts. I think they're, yeah, it was Dunkin' Donuts, where it was like this old kind of portly guy and he wakes up in the morning and he puts his slippers on and he waddles to the shower and brushes his teeth and it's like, time to make the donuts. You ever seen that commercial before? I, I, I don't recall that one. Well, there's a little ring, he said, the commercial's like time to make the donuts and it's just sort of like this monotony of his life. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up every morning and he's got to get a shower and shave and take go to work and he hates his life, but then... On the way to work, he he stops and gets donuts, and so that changes his entire like outlook on everything. But the the takeaway I have on it is like we get stuck in these ruts, and mine was 35, 39 years roughly, where I was just kind of following yes. the same learned behavior and repeating the same learned mistakes and never changing anything. And it wasn't until I had a really awful thing happen in my life, my divorce, that I was like, "This is not the pathway I thought I was going to be on." So what happened? Mm-hmm. What is it about that, like, mid to late 30s, you know, stage where these, these hopefully, you know, if all goes well, these life-changing moments happen, these little light bulb moments happen. Uh, actually, I, I'll, I'll quote my mom. She had this, um, it's similar. 
she was kind of talking about afflictions, but she was like, whatever your thing is, your demon, your affliction, whatever. And it doesn't have to be that dark. It can just be that narrative that you're trapped in, like we're talking about. Whatever it is, you can kind of manage it until about the age 40. And then it either gets to the point where you, it either consumes you or you have to make a, a very stark, very you know significant change. But I had that same kind of turn, you know, all of these things that I work towards now and, and how I try to show up and approach my life, you know, the, the light bulb moment came around the same time in my life, right? So it's just, it's very interesting how you've got these little milestones. You got like the quarter life crisis, you know, what am I going to do? But then around that time, I don't know if it's a midlife crisis yet or not, but you know, you have, you have, you start to have these discussions with yourself, hopefully. And if you don't, you might stay, stay that way forever. So it's only a midlife crisis. If you're 30, live working in a coal mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair point. Um, um, is it, is it 30? Is there a trend to, to uncover because it's in your thirties or is it that it's sort of the chicken or the egg that by 30, you've actually started to have some real life context and yeah. you actually have real stuff because by 30, you know, you should have a job. You should be owning a home typically or living on your own for the most case, dating, marrying, possibly even having kids. So like the real milestone markers in your life are starting to occur around 30. So it, it might, I'm, I'm suggesting as a question, is it more coincidence or is it more that you actually start having real shit happen to you around 30? I think it's the latter for sure. You start to have loss, you know, yeah. um, <clears throat> all these things that, that, yeah, I think that's a really good point actually. Um, and then you also, you also, we talked about identity earlier. You, you also really start to question that when you're in your twenties, you're really just trying to figure out how to move as an adult. And then I feel like in your thirties, you're like, all right, I can't, I can't do that anymore. I, I got to figure this out a little bit more. So many people that I've talked to and looked up, looked up to have said that their forties were their favorite decade because you've worked through those kinks already. You usually have some financial stability. You really know who you are and you don't compromise who you are. And you're also still young enough to be healthy and you don't start to get into the fifties, sixties where things just start to ache and your body starts to break down. Um, so yeah, I think in the thirties, you, all of that starts to come to light and you're probably right. It's because real shit starts, starts happening in a way that makes you face it and question it. Yeah. It's interesting. I love to read and there's a there's a book called the last days of ancient sunlight and really phenomenal book by the way if you like to read and he talks about sort of the whole ideology of humans and like the progressive nature of and women the roles of men and all these sorts of things and what we're doing to the planet it's a really cool book anyway he talks about how cultures early indigenous cultures and many cultures that are outside of western civilization now they live in a community capacity and the parents of the kids don't actually raise the kids. It's the, uh, it's the grandparents who raise the kids. But it's not just your grandparents. Because you live in a community, it's sort of like group parenting. So while, and, and, and if, you, if you can imagine for a second, in an indigenous community, you know, we're out hunting or collecting farm or cleaning and all those things. So we're doing the stuff to keep the, the village running while the grandparents, the elders who have the wit and the wisdom and all the knowledge amassed because they're now living, they've lived their life. And his whole point of this in mind, in along with Dway, is that, you know, by 40 even, we're still kids. Like, what do we know about raising kids? So if we're having kids at 20 
If we're having kids at 30, no wonder why they're turning out all fucked up because we don't know shit anyway. It's like as a I'm a parent and you were a parent. Dude, I literally make up stuff every single day. I have no idea what I'm doing. And so it really makes a lot of sense that even by 40, it's like we don't know anything yet. Like literally we don't know anything yet. So anyway, just food for thought. That's a good point. No, that's a good point. Uh, I got to say, man, this this is not the direction that I uh, intended this to go, but I absolutely love it, which is why I don't really script my episodes, right? I mean, I, I told you before, like often people ask me like, hey, what kind of questions? And I'm like, well, around these topics, but I don't formulate questions beforehand because I just like to talk and have a conversation and see where it goes. Obviously, there's a little bit of structure and things we want to touch on, but I, I believe that if you're having a good, heartfelt sincere human conversation that the good stuff the value will emerge right uh so i love where we're going because nothing happens without these concepts and conversations in my opinion well perhaps we can reframe it because we are telling stories and this is laboratory in a sense like we're analyzing some paradigms and some context and some things and ultimately storytelling and branding and marketing, if that's the direction you want to go, they all center around our personal narratives, our personal context, how we perceive the world and how we want to share our version of whatever it is, our ethos with everyone else. So yeah, we, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. No, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean it that way, uh, that way at all. Absolutely. We are. I could not agree more. I agree wholeheartedly. So I say all that to say that I love that we're talking about this because uh, it does precede all of those things. Now let's do, let's do shift it a little bit into that. Um, when we start to dial in and understand ourselves, what is the next step when we want to start building something or creating things to help and bring value to other people? That's intentionally very broad and vague. So your whatever your creation your art is it could be photography it could be films it could be written it could be a product right or a podcast when you start to like what is the next step after tapping in and finding out all of these things about the stories that you're telling yourself when it comes to delivering that with value to someone else or to other people I think it's it's there's two layers to that. I think you have to be crystal clear on what it is you're really passionate about doing and have some clear direction and a north star on where you want to go with that superpower. Because once you have clarity around your superpower and you have clarity around the value that you add, what problem are you solving? How can you engage with somebody? solve a problem and then serve your intended audience you're better able to do that if you have clarity and purpose on your sort of everyone uses it sounds cliche now but your purpose your why your north star so once you figured all of that out first and foremost you have to focus on yourself and, and get clarity around that otherwise it's just sort of an iterative boomerang that comes back with the same mistakes over and over so if, if you can fix that so that you're very clear and crystallized on who you are and what you are and why you exist and what problems do you solve. You're going to be able to attract the right type of audience because, you know, if you if you believe in the sort of Eastern ideologies like I do, you know, your you're, you're inner engineering and your outer engineering are directly, or your outer outputs are directly connected. So if, if, if you are clear on who you are and what you want, 
you're more evocative and more passionate about that. And so you're going to, you're going to be able to tell that story a little bit better. You're going to be able to play in that sandbox a little bit more clear and impactful. And what happens is you start to attract the right audience for that. When you're attracting the right audience, you know, it's like, if you can think of it as like energy waves, we're all on the same channel and we can all help each other. So I think it's, it's multiple, multiple levels of that. Is that, is that answering your question? Absolutely. So let's get, let's get very direct and specific. What is, what, is your answer for that? What is your purpose? How do you serve the people that you serve? I am a big thinker and I have a creator given ability to see things that other people don't sometimes see. And because I'm sort of raw and candid and don't really have a filter, I, I can tell people exactly what I think. And sometimes, you know, the truth hurts, but I'd rather have somebody share an insight about and with me that might be painful at first, but if I'm introspective enough and thoughtful enough and willing to sort of embrace that change or embrace that mistake or embrace whatever it is, that habit and make those changes, that's a win-win for everybody. So um, for me, I, I'm very creative. I, I've been blessed with a right and left brain balance. So yeah. I'm artistic. Uh, I'm very good with the camera. I'm very technically savvy. And I love sort of like engineering and building things, but I also love the business side of things. Like I love kind of understanding the nuances and subtleties and sort of seeing everything as they interweave and interchange with each other. And so um, those are skills that I, I, I realized that I possessed innately. And so I've set about trying to really cultivate those so that I can find greater clarity and serve in a, in a bigger capacity. And that's really, that's really what I, um, I, I don't know if there's some psychology behind it. My therapist says there is, but I love helping people. And I don't want that to sound like, oh, he's a goodwill ambassador. I don't know. That's not what I mean. I just, I sort of get my kicks on seeing your light bulbs go off. And, and in the business that I'm in, your success is my success and my success is your success. So it's like, I don't believe in these sort of autonomous entities. Like I don't believe in global elite powers and all these people sitting on islands and domination. Like I, I do truly believe in the whole concept of collaborating and connecting with people and building something. Um, so uh, everything that I do sort of centers around that context. Hmm. No, dude, I, I, I completely understand that concept of the jolt of energy and positivity that you get from helping helping someone else or coaching someone else like I, I have that within me as well we were chatting offline about you know our daughters in the soccer world i coach my daughter's team and they're four and five year olds but i've taken probably probably two serious. little bumblebee chasers like, not my team buddy oh, we not slaughtered your team. them all we went under <laughs> but that's because i genuinely Stone enjoy like, every killers. parent <laughs> Every parent out there loves me coaching their kids because I'll be hard on their kids and keep them organized, but I'm so passionate about it. I love it when they, when I teach them a skill and they apply it, like I, I lose it. You know what I mean? I'm like their biggest cheerleader. And again, shout out to my mom. Cause I learned that directly from her. So even like when it's so, it's so hard to teach a four year old something. Right. Uh, but even in that, like I, I get so pumped, I get so uh, amped. Uh, of seeing people like unlock things like like you said or you said i think you said light bulb moment or when the light bulb goes off or something like that like yeah no i totally get it and and, and that's why i enjoy teaching and helping in whatever capacity it could be soccer to five-year-olds or it could be storytelling to you know 65 year olds yeah. uh so i i absolutely understand that um what was your starting point tell me about your background in the creative space well my background in the 
There's a lot of different ways to go about that. I, I didn't actually realize I was an entrepreneur, but I've always been an entrepreneur. And ever since I was a little kid, mm. I had my own lawn mowing business. And then I lived in Colorado. I had my own snowmobile, snow clearing business. And um, I've just always been in the space of doing my own thing. I just never knew it was entrepreneurialism. I was just sort of like, that's my thing. And I've always been creative. I've always been artistic. Not that I'm any good at it, but I love to paint. I just, I love, I love theater. I was did theater in college. And um, I'm just kind of like in a bunch of different, I've, I've not ever taken a traditional route for anything, which is interesting to me. Um, Cause I always thought there was something wrong with me. Like I, when I was in college, I wasn't into like going to the bars and getting shit faced and then stumbling home. And this is never my thing. Like, I'd rather find a really good companion and have a good dinner conversation or things of that nature. And so um, I just, I, I always thought that there was something wrong with me, honestly, truthfully speaking, because I just, I'd never liked to do the same things that other people did. I've always liked to just sort of find solace and read and paint and draw and take, and I've had a camera in my hand since I was 12 years old. So I've been taking pictures since I was, you know, prepubescent. Um, so that was my first exposure at it. But my first exposure in terms of being in the business capacity and, and making this a passionate hobby was uh, I, I went straight into the corporate world right out of college. I took a job there. Yeah. But even in that space, I was afforded a lot of opportunities that I don't think any other, everyone necessarily got just because I'm, I'm talented at a, a lot of things. And so, and I'm sort of like, I'm a go getter. I've always been that way. So I just sort of, you know, when you mix talent and go getter, they usually have a good outcome most of the time. Um, they can, they can also be bad, but, uh, so anyhow, so I got, I was given opportunities from, and I, and I had the, the pleasure of working for some really cool people. And most of the jobs that I was in, well, they weren't inspiring in the sense of like, this is my North star. I got to do some really <laughs> cool creative shit and learn how businesses ran. And so I really fell in love with the whole idea of building things, the engineering side of it, the creative side of it, and the communication side of it are sort of like, this is what we've built. This is how we built it. And now we have to share this with the larger audience. And we need to make sure that they enjoy that output of what we created. And so I've always just been inspired by that whole idea of like building, creating, sharing, and then amplifying it. And I didn't ever, I never knew what it was until I started my own business. But so I've, I've sort of always been in this creative atmosphere. When you were younger and you had that artistic thing in you, um, we talked about, you know, parents, it sounds like your parents are similar to mine with, you know, just kind of like, go do this. My dad didn't really, he wasn't really tapped in like that, but my mom, my mom was, and, and she supported anything that we like to do. But generally I find that if you're going to pursue, I don't like this term, but a non-traditional path or carve your own path, we'll say, Generally, I find that there is at least one, sometimes many mentors along the way that help guide you on that journey or support you or inspire you or maybe show you the way. Sometimes it's parents in, in, in good scenarios. Often it's not. Was there anybody in your journey when you were younger that helped uh, support you in, in those kind of creative endeavors and pursuits? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'd like to give you a really warm and fuzzy story, but I don't really feel like I had anyone in particular. My parents probably were not like yours unless um, I, I come from, I'm one of 12. So I, I have sort of, um, I have 11 brothers and sisters, nine sisters, two brothers. My parents were <coughs> complete, com- completely detached from my upbringing. Um, my dad was abusive and, you know, I'm not ashamed hey. to talk about it. We talk about this a lot. And so I never really had any sort of figureheads and because I was homeschooled up until sixth grade i never had any of the sort of those metamorphosis things i was just sort of 12 years and then when i went into school i think really it was just i had a lot of self-capitulation and sort of like i don't like this so i'm not going to do it i do like this Mm -hmm. so i'm going to try it and i and i'm always one of those people that i just really wanted to try a whole bunch of stuff but i don't really have any one defining purpose person in my life where i can say you know, this person shaped me. I will tell you now in the last 10 years, I have surrounded myself consciously with people who add value to my life. And if you remember at the output of this conversation, I think for the first 35 years of my life, I was just a cog in the wheel. Whereas now I'm kind of engineering my life the way I want it to be. And so the people that are in my life now, my business coach, my therapist, my partner and life partner and whatever you want to call I don't call her a girlfriend because she's so much more than that. Um, My children, by the way, have been fantastic for me, her children, um, my friends, I have a mastermind group that I belong to. All of those people have been really instrumental in shaping really, if, if, if you will, my, my life just started at 40 to be, to be honest with you. And now I'm doing like real shit that I feel like makes a difference and makes me happy. And so the people I'm putting in my life now have been my mentors, I guess, would be the best way to put that. Okay, new question. Um, When you are, I don't know if it's- You didn't like that answer? (laughs) No, 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 no. This is a follow-up question to your answer. I got it, I got it. Um, You're like, Dick, stick to the narrative, man. Stick to the narrative. I told you what to say before we started. Fuck, Uh, let me get back to the notes again. Yeah. Which was that page four or five? This is very unprofessional of you. We're live right now. Um, <laughs> I actually had somebody send me a note on LinkedIn the other day saying that I shouldn't curse on podcasts. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> okay. Going off the rails. Uh, <laughs> wait. Um, okay. Dial it back in. Come on, Devo. Um, Sorry. No, 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 no. This is a personal question, but hopefully everyone else will benefit from it. Uh, I don't know if it's fair to call you a solopreneur I'm, and I'm not, but I kind of have always been, you know, for 20 years in my career, I've, I've always been my own boss, et cetera, et cetera. So I struggle with surrounding myself with, with people because I've stepped away from people that I wasn't aligned with consciously. Right. And in, in worlds that we might've belonged to in our twenties, you can imagine. Um, so I'm really curious. You said you belong to a mastermind uh group and you listed off a bunch of other people what are some suggestions or advice that you have for starting to cultivate that community that 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 of like-minded individuals for that support because some you know some people out there um might be yearning for that and maybe struggling to do that when you're kind of like in the home office and you're doing your thing you know and you 
you get tunnel vision like that a little bit. Does that make sense, that question? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, uh, give me a call, DM me, and I'll take you through my personal brand exploration because that will give you a lot of answers. Okay. Shameless plug. But I uh, know all joking aside, um, that's a great question. Well, it's been an iterative process. I think initially it was, an, it, yeah, I think initially it was knee jerk for me. Uh, I was early in, early on in my entrepreneurial career, I understood the value through all of my reading that you, you should, it's interesting you asked, that you should find a mentor. But I didn't really know how to find a mentor. And like every time I reached out to somebody, it was like, you know, 100K to, to find some old geezer to guide me through. And I was just like, yeah. first of all, I don't have 100K. So is there somebody who's willing to take me on as like a like a goodwill case? And like, you know, but that never, not, not, nothing I really ever materialized. So I think really I started doing. Work. And I'm, I, I held it. But it really kind of came down to some really pivotal moments in my life and people that were interjected. And I do believe in divine intervention, by the way. I do think that I do think that there were some divine intervention and some people that were, and maybe I was unconsciously calling them probably more than that. But some people came into my life that really guided me into some really pivotal changes. And it sort of went down a rabbit hole from there. It's sort of like it just built up momentum. And and it was kind of weird because the more you work on yourself and the more you're intentional about what you want to develop, the more those sorts of things begin to reflect and mirror what you want. And that goes for people. And I sort of have always had this desire to have like be around people who were who were doing really cool shit and really successful. So I joined a mastermind group, but that didn't really quite fit up. And then I joined another mastermind group and they were based in, in the Netherlands. So I had to wake up at like two o'clock in the morning to join the mastermind group. And it's just sort of, it's like nothing ever really was exactly working, but was really, really cool is that in each of those experiences, I picked up a few little things that I thought were cool. And so it became this iterative thing. And then, and then four years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start going through like, I started my podcast simultaneously to that. And I started connecting with people like yourself, dude, like really just finding cool people who energetically we're in alignment and like they added value and perspective and context that I hadn't received before. And I was like, this is the direction I need to go. And so I started inviting people like it was first, it was three of us and then it was four of us. And then before you know it, there's 12 of us now in this mastermind group that have been together now for almost three years and mm. so they they've just they have become my people and then you know my partner same thing same story like it just becomes an iterative thing and if and if you can be self-aware i'm not really answering your question directly but if you can be self-aware through your through your the the the, the channels that you're traveling and sort of see all the things that are coming at you and understand what they are and why they are and and create like a learned experience from it they just start to kind of build and capitulate on themselves yeah no i mean you 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 refuse to answer my questions <laughs> but you uh you come back uh with these these be- these beautiful responses that spawn other questions so i love it um <laughs> so you said well really i quick- think i answered it it just took me a long time to get to it, it just took a good, long time good, to get good. There. <laughs> uh, yeah no you did you definitely did um I don't know if this was in 
the conversation once we started recording or before we started recording, but I believe you said that you played football um, or you you were an athlete when you were younger. Maybe still. Yeah. yeah, I still am. I play soccer now, but I played I played every sport. I was volleyball, basketball, wrestling, boxing, football, um, and now I play soccer. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, I, I, I play in a league uh, every week, and I, that was my main sport. But I played everything growing up. Um, I'm having a little moment here right now. Do you remember the movie Tombstone? I do. Val this Kilmer? is like, yes, this is mm-hmm. like that scene where Val, Kil- where Val Kilmer's character, Doc Holliday, met Johnny Ringo. And they were like the, you know, I feel like I'm, <laughs> this is how I feel. Yeah. Like there are so many things that I haven't said all of them in the conversation. Cause I don't want to just be like, Oh, me too. The whole time. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, it was, you remember when he saw him, he's like, now I'm sure of it. I really hate him because <laughs> they were just like, looking looking in the mirror. It's like the Spider-Man meme. Um, anyways, I'll bring that, I'll tie that back into my next question. So I have always struggled with, you said it earlier about, you always felt like you were weird. Right. And I've said similar things where I felt like I had never seen anybody kind of weave together my identities. Uh, so I kept them compartmentalized. And what I mean by that specifically for me was an athlete and an artist, because I also was in theater. I also was in show choir. I also wrote poetry at seventh grade and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I was always an athlete and into fitness and had jock friends. And as I've grown up, I've become entrepreneurial. And so I have a really hard time finding like-minded folks for a mastermind that are artists, entrepreneurs, and athletes I've, I've stopped this thing I used to do, which is like keeping them separate and allowed them to, you know, uniquely intersect, but I've still been very alone in that journey. So the, the question is like, how do you tie together all those weird things about your personality, about you as a person into one cohesive thing that is you, that helps you create the, the, the art that you do? It's a really deep question. I think that I'm unapologetically who I am and I don't make any excuses for it. And I just love doing the most. And I really try to focus on that. And that is, I'm, it's interesting because I'm actually very introverted, but I'm really good with people. So I have no problem playing the game where I have to engage with people because I'm also very community oriented. But at the same time, like if you were to ask me 10 out of 10 times, would you rather go to this party tonight or would you rather sit around a campfire and have a glass of wine and smoke a bowl. I'm like, I'm picking option B every single time with you, bro. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So I, but at the same time, like when I have to be placed in those environments, I I'm fine. I I don't know. I, um, I guess some of that is God given talent. I don't really know what it is, but I've never been apologetic about who I am. Even in the times when I'm like, am I weird? Like, is there something wrong with me? I'm just like, whatever, like, this is who I am. And this is what I, I, this is what I do. I don't really, I've just never apologized for it. And so, you know, you're not going to be for everybody, I guess. So you just have to find the people that can tolerate your bullshit. Yeah, that part. And build something with them. I think that's really the best way to go. If you were to go to a restaurant or a coffee shop or anywhere, like if you just stop and think about it, because you got some crazy stuff going on in your head, everyone in that room probably has some crazy stuff going on in their head as well. So it's like, how many of those people have taken the time to sort of understand that and develop that and just either make it better or not make it better, but do something with it. And so mm. um, for me, I just kind of like 
this is who I am. This is the gifts that I've been given. And I'm going to try to cultivate those and learn new ones. And just that's it, really. That's been my whole life. What what haven't you done or gotten the chance to pursue that you'd be interested in pursuing? Two things. I want to get my pilot's license because I want to learn to fly. And I also want to do really deep diving underwater uh, scuba and things of that nature. So um, those are next two big things on my radar. But um, my partner has told me that I can't do those just yet because I have too many other things on my plate. So I have to get a few things cleared off before I can take them on. Those are two things that I'm Those are literally like two two different sides of the spectrum. You want to be in the air and in the sea at the same time. It's a metaphor for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I, I actually, it's not. There's um, yeah, we can go down that rabbit hole, but there's a lot of just living on this planet, and I think that I'm I'm fascinated by that idea. Absolutely. A little earlier, you alluded to um, I don't know what you called it—the personal brand program or process that you use when uh, you when when I was asking my personal question. Can you tell me a little bit more about um, like if you were starting with someone to help them kind of find and shape their brand? Like, what would be the process? Well, I have systematized that process, and it's it's part spiritual, it's part principle, it's part tactical it's part logistical and it's a framework of a two two day workshop where we work one-on-one and we dive into everything that is rain and everything that you want and all of your all of your gaps and all the things that make you who you are and what is your big juicy dreams and what do those look like and then um through my system systematic process of interviewing and asking very pointed questions and sort of the 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 system that I've built over the last few years, we really uncover and are able to pull back the blankets on everything about you, your what, your why, your how, your when, your your value, all the different things. And what that does is it gives you a, a narrative that you can build upon and sort of things that are personal, professional, lifestyle, everything. What's some of the, something that people often misunderstand or get wrong about that journey about personal branding specifically they focus on the outcome not the process they want to get there right now they want success right now they want the likes they want to be enamored they want to be enjoyed they want the spotlight right now they want the money the car and they haven't taken the time to understand that those things take time process and a resource exchange in order for you to have them. They don't just dispense themselves out of thin air. You have to put in the work. You have to find a way. And what's really cool is that sometimes what you think is your way right now, and this is an iterative process, like we should, you should redo your personal brand every year because as you step into that power and you really start playing in that sandbox, you might find out this isn't exactly what I thought I wanted. And so you need to be able to be flexible enough for your business as well. It was like, I may, I might have these little clips to paper bag, or, but I might find that in the process of building these chip clips, this is to be an office product for people. It's like, so it's the same thing with your life. Like you have to be able to be introspective and willing to make the change and, and enough, have enough self-awareness to know that it's an iterative process and it doesn't happen overnight. 
if somebody is stuck in a rut like you were or in a space, the corporate space, we can say just as an example that they feel this thing within them, inside of them that wants to get out of it. I'm always very interested in, in like the actionable steps. Like when you're in any kind of pit or position or place that you want to get out of, what, what do you, what is the advice you give to that person in terms of like, okay, what do I do tomorrow to get out of this and reshape my life and, and my path? So the question is, if I'm stuck in a situation, whether it's a nine to five or a corporate gig, how do I, how do I leave that? Yeah, well, you've got this call, you know, we often we have this thing in us that we hear, you know, here and here, and hopefully eventually we'll pursue it maybe when we're 40. Um, but often we don't, but it's still scary whenever it happens for many people, I'll say. So, yeah. I, I don't know that there is any one correct way to do it. I think it's different strokes for different folks. And, but, but, but I think at the core of that, you have to be crystal clear on what it is that you're hoping to accomplish with this shift. What value do you bring to the table? How are you going to build this, this new empire, this new business idea? How are you going to solve someone's problems with it? What are you going to do to, when you solve this problem, when you find out that someone else is doing the exact same thing? And how do you make that a unique disposition so that whatever it is you're trying to build, it infuses you with energy, you're passionate about it. It's something that's scalable, repeatable, and that can someone else is going to consume and be able to exchange that resource with you, which is cash, revenue, whatever it is, right? And so before you before you just decide, hey, I have this really great idea and I want a, I would be, be I would be I would caution stay in your job big as sort of like a moonlight. Flesh it out behind the scenes and understand what it looks like and be very clear on that. Because if you don't have it's not a business plan, it's sort of like what's the model for success for this particular jump I'm going to make and really crystallize that and then stay in your job and start doing this. Cause that's what I did. I, I worked the nine to five. And then as soon as I get home, I would go start taking photographs of anyone and everyone I could possibly find. And I was just doing that on the side and then I would start my next day and go to work. And then I'd do the same thing. So um, it's, it's, it's crystallize your plan B and then once you found out that there's something you can do with that, there's real value to it, then jump into it. What's funny is I think this brings us back to our initial point about tapping in and asking yourself the questions, right? Because I wanted to, to piggyback onto that and say, and also ask yourself why you want to do this thing, because you, you may understand that like, oh, I don't actually want to do that. I wanted this thing and you might be able to get this thing now, you know? So I think, yeah, also asking yourself why you want to, why you want to make that leap. Um, I like that's a good question. Can, can I, can I dissect that for a second with you? Cause I really love that because yeah. a lot of times people think that if they don't ask that question and that they really get to the core of what their impetus is for it, they'll realize it's just monetary gain or I want the right. big house or I want the, I want the hot chick or I want to have a bigger bank account. And I don't really know. Those are good reasons to have if that's really what you believe in, but I don't really know that that's ultimately why you should leave something else and, and jump into it. That's not, my motivation is, yeah, listen, let's, let's make no qualms about it. I, I want to make money. I want to be able to have nice things and do all that. That's, that's, 
that's the world we live in and they, they take money and resources to do that. But if that's my sole motivation for all of that, I don't feel like that's the right reason. I feel like you have to have some sort of a bigger North star that's going to, that's going to carry you. Cause you hear how many stories do you hear about people who like made it to be a billionaire? Like now fucking what? Like, right. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. There has to be something underneath a foundational excellence. That's going to be like, this is my, why I'm doing this. The money is a byproduct of that. The I think that advice uh, about, you know, moonlighting to start off is, is, is so valuable and often gets overlooked. And it's part of what we're, we're talking about too, of just under, you know, asking yourself why and understanding like where you're really trying to drive it instead of what you often hear is, especially in my world too. And there's some truth to, to like, just take action, just take, you know, take the leap if you will. But I had this one video I made where, you know, when I think about that metaphor of taking the leap, what I think gets neglected often is I think about leaping off a cliff, right? You're scared to jump off into the, to the, you know, the water below you and people, you know, just take, just take the leap. But what they don't talk about is what do you do when you jump off a cliff? You don't normally just stand there and just blindly like leap. You back up a little bit and you might look over the edge first and you back up a little bit and then you take about six or seven very strong and strategic steps to launch yourself off of it. And we never talk about those six or seven steps. It's always just like, just believe, just take the leap. But what you said is, is more like that. Like, no, test it a little bit. Don't just leave your job tomorrow and be like, all right, I'm going to go do this thing. So I, I think that's really important because often you hear that all the time and it's not actionable, right? Nobody can hear that statement. Just do it and then go off and do it tomorrow. So I think that's important to mention, just like, you know, figure it out, test it along the way, moonlight. And then when you start to get that alignment for your purpose or your North stars, you say, then you can take the leap. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good advice. It might not make it on, it, it might not make it on one of those inspiration posters you see. <laughs> that's walls, the point. But it is, it is factually true. And, 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 you know, I actually, for the first time I ever did cliff diving was in Ireland and I jumped into this, I've never cliff dived and I always wanted to cliff dive and I jumped into the water and it's kind of interesting that you said that because when I got in the water, first of all, it was like 22 degrees. It was so fucking cold. I wasn't prepared for it. And they had all these jellyfish everywhere. So I ended up getting bit like 25 times by jellyfish in this cliff that I dove into. So it was like, no, I did not take those steps. I was just like, I'm just jumping in. I'm going to find it. But yeah, so th th there yeah, is. And you got your ass stung by jellyfish. <laughs> the metaphor works, folks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The story is like, have a plan. And like, just understand what it is you're trying to accomplish into the water. Don't run away from it because you're scared though. Like in line, you have to walk between pragmatism and, and taking risk strategy and a plan to support your risk taking, then you're going to have a much more better. Absolutely. Um, we're here at the end of the year, which for many folks, myself included, is always a time of reflection and maybe forecasting into the future a little bit. What are your, what are you excited about in 2024 or with the next year coming? What are you focused on? What are you working on? Where are you trying to go? Well, Besides I might piss space. you off. Yeah, I might piss you off on that, but I don't believe in that, actually. Um, I don't think that, it's an that end does of not year. Piss me off. I don't think it's an end of year program. I think this is an everyday process. And, you know, I don't celebrate Christmas with my kids. We do experiences. I, we, we 
do stuff year round. We travel year round. We create stuff year round. My business is a year round process and um, planning happens every quarter, every month, every day. We're thinking about how can we make this a better process? How can we provide more value to our clients? And so I don't believe in end of year resolutions. It it doesn't matter. Um, Melissa, my operations director would say, but we do have to do budgeting and planning and all those things. And I agree with that. So you just really want to focus on how can I create the best possible outcome for me and for my clients and continue to grow and, and provide value and stay relevant and, and all those things. And they don't involve end of year plans in the sense of like, this is my resolution for 24 and 25 and beyond. I do have goals that I establish. Like this is my vision board right here that I have. And, you know, they have, they have six months and 12 months and 10 year types of things on them, but they're everyday iterations that I try to focus on. So I don't, I don't believe in that. No, I think that's a great point. And, and I, far too often we we get locked into these arbitrary like timelines, right? I stopped doing resolutions years ago as well. Um, and, you know, I mean, I have goals too, but something kind of, uh, for me personally, when I would set goals, which often happened at the beginning of the year, I mean, it's iterative, like you said. And so my processes seven years ago don't don't exist anymore. I worked through those. But sometimes setting arbitrary goals for me, it, it, it didn't, it wasn't aligned with my North Star, right? Like I'd be working towards this thing and I didn't really ask myself, well, but why? Like I had one one time that was like, I want to read 52 books this year, right? One mm-hmm. per week, obviously. And then what happened is like, I'm doing pretty good. And then you get close to the year and you've only got 40 and it's December. Well, now I feel like shit because I did, I left 12 on the table instead of like, I read 40 books this year. That might be my own personality, Mm. but right. But it also wasn't like, what is achieving that goal, that very arbitrary personal goal going to lead to or going to give me? And the answer was nothing, right? I mean, you know, knowledge, of course, but like you'd also make the decisions for the wrong reasons. Like, okay, well, I'll read this book because it's shorter. right? You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So in, in, in many ways, I do agree with that of like, it's about showing up and trying to bring the most value to yourself and to others every day. And it's not like, Mm -hmm. okay, now I'm going to like focus on this because there's a new year coming. I think that, I think that was a great response. Well said, well said. The goal thing is a funny, the the, the goal setting is a funny paradigm, isn't it? You know, I've done the whole goal setting thing as well. And I've I've fallen into the same endless bucket of, or vacuous bucket like you have. And, And one of the things I learned about goal setting is that, um, at least for me, and this is different for everybody. Again, you know, I think that's kind of interesting. We should talk about for a second. You know, people listen to all these self-help and these gurus and these Tony Robbins, and they go to these workshops, takeaways from them, and they really inspired by them. And and I think it, sometimes it doesn't work out for them, so they're like, "Wait, that was shitty advice. That didn't work for me." And like, it, maybe it won't work for you, man. Like, I don't know. This is working for me, so this is my. These are my principles. These are my values. These are what the things that work for me. And you're completely different from me, and you you operate in a completely different ecosystem than I do. So you just have to sort of like listen to it, take it with a grain of salt, and say, you know, I might be able to try that. But as it pertains to goals, one of the things that I think has been the biggest game changer for me is that I don't necessarily set goals. I set, I've established values. And then within those values, I have set up metrics of things that I want to accomplish within the bandwidth of a goal, if you will. So let's say I'm a fat, a fat ass and I want to lose hundred pounds. You know, I'm not going to say, okay, by six months from now, I will have lost all 100 pounds. I'm just going to set small, small, more achievable goals, more tangible things that I can accomplish in an individual capacity and, and try to shorten the gap 
gap between zero and a hundred instead. Does that mean every morning I'm going to take a walk every morning. I'm going to for 9 a.m. I'm going to, I'm going to do these small little things and adjustments that are based upon the values that I want to live my life by slowly starts to get smaller and smaller. And it's like, wow, I just did $750,000 last year. I can actually hit a million by next year. If I want like million is not my goal. Cause it's so unachievable, but like, through everything else we've done, we've gotten here and here, and then we keep adding these little, these little, we keep going up the chaos ladder until suddenly that gap's gotten smaller. So yeah, that's how I shape it. I love that. I, I, I wrote that down. I don't set goals. I establish values. And I think that's a good place to end for today because it's kind of where we started. Um, so much of that is understanding what you stand for, what those values are, and then understanding what that north star is that's the, the concept we keep coming back to so devo man uh like i told you this this i won't say it took an unexpected turn but i really love where we went with this instead of just zeroing in on like branding and storytelling specifically like on the surface because as we've said multiple times in the conversation all of this stuff is the stuff that precedes it and is behind it and the engine that fuels it so my brother thank you so much for being here yeah, man. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been a fantastic conversation. And I don't know if you know, but you have someone named Evelyn Dale who's commenting on our podcast, so we should shout her out. Thank you for all your feedback. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she said the thing, uh, understanding the thing about uh, being weird and the thing about the 40s. So it's 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 not unique to us by any means. So hopefully it can, brings to value to, to many more folks out there going mm -hmm. to those things. But listen, uh, I don't want this to be our last conversation. I hope the feeling is mutual and we live a little too close to each other not to keep the connection going. So I hope I can see you in real life very soon. Yeah, I'd love that. A um, couple of things. I'm in Raleigh pretty regularly. I have a client up there, so we should connect. And then um, Charlotte, you know, we have the Charlotte FC soccer. So we're the soccer people. So you could come up and go to some games. But I just found out that we get Copa America here in, in Charlotte next year in 24. So Brazil, yes, Argentina. Yes, yes, yes. Too. Yeah, so, so sick, right? we so that would um, be really cool. Yeah, I, my daughter's really big into it, so we we definitely want to catch some games. Um, yeah, no, I love I love where you're going with it. I'm down for all of that. Brilliant. Yeah, man, I hope we can stay in touch. Thank you. Hey, do you mind if I do a, a quick shameless plug for something I have coming up? Is that am I allowed? No, to do no, that? no, absolutely. Let's yeah, let's go. So I have a one of my branding workshops, branding and marketing workshops coming up in January. And, and okay. they're about a lot of these things we've talked about on the show, which is finding your North Star and developing your personal brand and how to share that message with the, with a larger, more honed in audience, all those things. And so um, if you're interested in that, you can shoot me a, a DM or whatever, and I'm happy to share the information you can find yeah, it on the website as well. What's the name of that uh, program? It's, it, well, you can find it on my website, fusioncreativebranding.com. And then you'll see a, you'll see a, um, a landing page there. It, I should, it should go up this week. I'm not sure if it's live or not yet, but I'm not. Okay, perfect. And I'll also link it in the show notes. But yeah, absolutely. It is perfect timing. Um, not that we're looking into the new year for any resolutions, folks. We already talked about <laughs> that, but it's a good thing to do in January. <laughs> <laughs> All right, baby boy. I'll, I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. 
And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow, and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a story coaching and consulting company that builds online education, in-person and virtual training, and digital products that help businesses master storytelling to find their ideal customers and market to them effectively. You can learn more at sixsecondstories.com and purchase the book Six Second Stories at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, or rainbennett.com slash sixsecondstories. Quince. 